I'm in a mood today. Also, my voice is like, I don't know if I'm going to have a good voice today because I've been rehearsing for seven hours today. Catherine, guess how many I have on LinkedIn right now? Did you hit 500? Are you at 499? No, I'm at 460. <gasps> if you are listening, yeah. please connect, Go connect with, with me. Will on LinkedIn and me. But like Will needs to get to 500 ASAP. So ASAP is if possible. If you're the 500th connection to Will on LinkedIn, we'll give you we'll a give prize. You... Yeah. That is a fact. I personally will give you a prize. Me. I'm saying it right now on record on the podcast. It'll be like instead of, oh, if you're the ninth caller, it'll be like if you're the <laughs> 500th, Will's 500th LinkedIn connection. connection. <laughs> Okay, we have a really, really super exciting episode today because y'all sent in your questions on the Instagrammies, on text messaging, on Snapchat as well. Snapchat. Yeah, so you guys basically like are writing our episode for us today. Yeah. And we have not talked about these questions as a duo, so we're just kind of jumping straight in. So yeah. Thank you for sending them to us. We got quite a few. We should just start off easy, like getting into it. Yeah, for sure. So my friend Allison, who's actually studying abroad right now in Europe, sent in a great question asking us what our summer plans are. Would you like to go? My Yeah, I'll go. Okay, so I'm going to be traveling abroad and then I'll be back in July here in Dallas to work here at SMU admission. And then I'm also moving into a new apartment. And then we're going to be recording more episodes of this podcast. And then I'll be traveling to do a performance for the university in the middle of July. And then I'll be back. And then I'll just be enjoying my life in summer until school starts back. Those are my plans. Your turn. So I will also be doing some traveling and some working this summer. So before I do anything, I will be traveling with my family to Egypt for the (gasps) first time. I've never been there before. Egypt, the pyramids are there. Yes, but my entire dad's side of my family lives there. My dad's from there and I've just never been. So I'm really excited to go and that'll be nice. Kind of like well-earned vacation after the year, you know, Mm -hmm. very exciting. It is going to be very hot, though. But like, how hot? It's going to be like ninety-five every day. Ooh, that's it's the desert. So, but hopefully it'll be nice. Like we'll be like near the Nile. That's true. Probably like near the water. So hopefully, hopefully it's better. Anyways, then I will be going back to Chicago for a summer internship for myself back home, and I'll be working there. And then in mid-July, I'm coming back to Dallas to do a summer class. <gasps> What class are you taking? I'm taking Intro to General Linguistics. It double counts for a graduation requirement and for one of my degrees. So perfect. So there we go. Super fun. Oh, she also wants to know what our favorite part of Dallas is. Personally, I don't know. I really like Dallas. It's so hard. There are so many little nuggets. See, I think it depends on- Maybe the K-Trail. You know what? I was thinking about saying Katy Trail. But I think my favorite part of Dallas has to be Lower Greenville Avenue, just like mm. with all the restaurants and all the shops. And it's just like such a versatile little area. It's also very walkable. That's true. What's your favorite restaurant? HG Supply. <gasps> I love HG Supply. Wait, actually? They're, yes. They're nachos with all that stuff all over them. And they have like, what's the burger? 
I don't know. They have, but they have good vegan options. I know they have vegan queso, and it is it's so, so good. good. I love. Oh my goodness, we should go to HG. Anyways, great question. Thanks, Allison, Thank for that. What should we do next? What do you think? I'll ask you one. Okay. This is a great question. This is really close to my heart. This is from Kenneth. Shout out. He said, would you rather have to live in VS all four years with it flooding constantly, but you don't have to pay for housing or live in the apartment in Dallas Hall for your senior year, but you have to pay full tuition, housing, everything with no scholarship? Okay, wait, we need some context for this question okay. before we answer it. So the first option is, would you live in VS for all four years? VS stands for Virginia Snyder. It's one of the commons dormitory buildings here at SMU, and it is notorious for its flooding, which has happened like pretty much every single year. Like they've had fires in the laundry machines. There's been floods in like the basement of the building, especially during the ice storms. They actually had to redo the entire basement this past school mm-hmm. year. I have a video of the waterfall like literally coming down the stairs. So much mold. A lot of us, when I lived there my freshman year, they actually evacuated the basement because of black mold. Oh my gosh. Left over from the flood. Everyone was getting sick because of it. So there's SMU there's option one. So there's option one. Option two, you can talk about the apartment because you just went there. Yes. So there is a abandoned apartment in Dallas Hall, which is like this signature building at SMU. It's also the highest point in the city of Dallas. Which is why we're called the Hilltop also. Yes, that is, that's why we're called the Hilltop. And so the apartment in Dallas Hall used to be for like the university president and his family because back when SMU was founded, Dallas Hall had everything in it. Dorms, offices, dining hall, everything was centralized in Dallas Hall and then slowly they expanded. So the Dallas Hall apartment is like the secret like underground Mm -hmm. version like everyone wants to go before they graduate and like write their name on the walls and stuff and i actually got to do that a few weeks ago so that was very fun so okay let's restate the question now so would you rather live in vs for your entire time at smu and have it flood all the time but housing is free or Mm. would you rather live in dallas hall just for your senior year but have to pay full price for everything should we say our answer on the count of three yeah. One, two, three. VS. VS. Yeah. Because <laughs> I would take that. The thing is, is as long as you live on one of the upper floors, the flooding doesn't really affect you. Yeah. It's really only a basement issue. My primary reason is because I don't have $85,000. <laughs> right. That's the thing. I'm like, yeah, I couldn't choose the other one if I wanted to. But also, I feel like the living conditions in VS, like per room, are better than the abandoned apartment that has no furniture. A lot of people don't know that it's actually like really disheveled and not maintained at all the apartment yeah yes. like it's not like it's not like a hotel suite no that just hasn't been occupied it probably was really grand back in the day it's probably. a huge space mm-hmm. it's a huge space but there's like nothing there no it's just like so drywall VS. and wooden planks and yeah. i'm not exaggerating that was a great question though that was a good it's a good question was a good i question. like a little good yeah. would you rather there it's great yeah okay this is a little more informative for the listeners okay cool this question comes from my friend natalie and she asks will you keep doing the podcast over the summer that's a great question which is a good topic to talk about today because this is like one of the last episodes we'll probably record us sitting across from each other for the time being right but our plans for the summer are as follows we're going to go on a little hiatus 
for the month of June because we're both traveling and going home and doing our thing. And then hopefully we will come back in July with a new season, some new topics as we kind of gear up to get back to campus in August. Those topics will include a lot of different things, which we won't spoil yet, but it'll be cool to listen to kind of as you're getting excited to come back to school and also hopefully some interesting things for our new college friends who are going to be making their having their first semester at a university. So we'll come back in July with that. We might throw in a couple episodes or one episode, depending on kind of our schedule. So you just have to look excited for that. But yeah, anything you want to add, Catherine? No, I think that's perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Stay, just stay tuned. Just we'll yeah. keep you posted. If you're not following us on Instagram, definitely go follow us there. Like dot pod. And that is where we'll kind of tell you when a new episode is ready. If we do another Q&A or we have any type of interactive thing, you can go there and and find us and do that. But yeah. But we're just glad that Natalie's super excited to keep listening. Yes. Huge fans. I love Natalie. Yes. Great. Great. Okay. Here's an interesting question. This is from Tulsi. Shout out to Tulsi. I took a class with Tulsi last semester oh yeah and i didn't really know him but now i do he asked if you could go back and relive a moment what would that moment be oh my gosh okay wait does he mean like at smu or just ever i think i think any moment we've ever oh wait does he mean no it wouldn't mean like a historical event it just means i think we can interpret it anyway you want you mean like in our personal lives i think i was gonna go for that i think personal lives yeah you know what? I'm going to kind of reframe like my tour answer that I would give to people when I like if I'm in an interview and I am asked this question, like, what's your favorite time from SMU Mm -hmm. and why? And I would say my freshman year celebration of lights. And I was going back through the student foundation Instagram shout out to student foundation. And I was looking back at the recap videos that our incredible videographer and my dear friend Silas Hartman made. He's just so talented. And I was looking back through our old Instagram reels and Silas just made the coolest videos, especially for last year's celebration of lights. I was about to start crying. It was, it just filled me with joy. It just really put me in the holiday spirit. And I was just like, you know, you know that like happiness that you just feel during those times of year. Like for me, it's the holidays and you just, there's just something in the air that's different. I just mm-hmm. felt, I just remembered that. There it was, was nostalgic. In the air. And Celebration of Lights, I think, is something truly that is so unique to SMU. I really don't think any other university has anything like it. Not, I don't think so either. Basically, it's a big, it's the kickoff of the holiday season on the hilltop for us. They get like a 40 foot Christmas tree, they have like a big tree lighting ceremony where we sing Silent Night together. And when you get to the lyric, all is calm, all is bright, the lights turn on. And it's just so magical. And they get like live reindeer and stuff. And Student Foundation puts on this event. This is an event created and organized by students every year. And the university just really supports it. And it has such a special place in my heart that I would love to always go back and just relive It's that so constantly. cool. I got to sing The Silent Night this last year. Oh, no way. Yeah. Oh my you gosh. were there. I know, but I think I was just running around like a headless oh. chicken that night. Because I was working it. Probably. But yeah, I got to do the Silent Night. My little acapella group did it. It was really fun. But yeah, that's a great, that's a great one. But you said that that's like your go-to answer. Yes, but I was, you know, 
contextualizing it for this podcast. As I know. Well. So like, what what's your non go to? No, that that would be my. Oh, favorite. I thought you were saying like if I was an interview, I would say celebration of lights. If but... I could relive a moment just from my life, maybe it might be the London New Year's Day parade that I was in in 2019. Oh, that's with my cool. high school band. Yeah, because that just like filled me up yeah. oh i have so many like that i could say that are just music related yeah me my too. first me too. my first concert at orchestra hall with the chicago youth symphony orchestra i was on like a performer's high i just stood up for the collective bow with the group and looked out in the audience and just getting that reception was life-changing for me and i knew i wanted to major in music after that yeah that was a transformative so cool. moment for me i would say me too i have a lot of them that are like performance related but I don't really I'm not gonna say I would go back and relive them because been there done that enjoyed it and I hopefully have a, many more of those opportunities ahead of me I have a lot there I don't really have a specific like this is what I would want to go and relive it just when I'm living life I just kind of come across these feelings and I'm like oh I wish I was right there right now mm. and a lot of the times there's like several places. One would be my grandparents' house when I was a child, like just having more time with my grandmother. And not only that, but just like when you're a kid and your grandparents are all, everything is happy. Everyone's healthy. You have that time together, just going back and, and being in those moments. I always tell people that I would love to have like an Ebenezer Scrooge type of moment <laughs> where I could like go back and just watch myself as a child. But like, knowing what I know now yeah. because I just think I would not take all of those things for granted. Yeah. So that is like a sappy answer. And then, yeah, there's like performances I would want to go to. So just, just kind of little moments that I, that kind of come up throughout living life that I wish I could go back to or relive a historical moment. That was an interesting question that you asked. I, yeah. I was a, just one interpretation. Of probably if Probably I would want to be at the Super Bowl that Beyonce performed at. Oh, my gosh. You know? Like, oh my experience gosh, that in wait. person. Like, be there. If I could go back and relive a moment, what would it be? I mean, Ooh. I would say something, like, pre-pandemic. Like, maybe just, like, a day in high school. That's as a so senior. fair. Maybe my, maybe my senior year homecoming. That's so fair. That's a good answer. Or something. I was I was thinking what I was gonna say earlier is like the first time I went to New York and Ooh. like was in the city and just like taking it all in and then mm -hmm. saw my first like Broadway show and then got to like perform on at Carnegie Hall. Like oh my gosh, that's so cool. Those are things. Just casually, I perform at Carnegie Hall. It was with the, it was with my high school choir, but very cool. But like reliving that like because I will say as an artist, this kind of goes into another question. Mm -hmm. But as an artist. There's times where I get really unmotivated to do my art or I'm like not excited about it anymore. And so places like New York, like my first time in New York or every any time that something happens and I feel inside of me like the passion for my art to come back and like be excited to like do what I get to do. Those are moments that I always remember. And so the, like a really big one for me was going to the city and seeing like you know, the city of dreams oh and, and being on the stage at Carnegie Hall and looking out into the audience and seeing a full house and doing what I love to do. It was really cool. So I would maybe do that. Yeah. That's such an America core 
event <laughs> i feel like that's just so america like yeah we're i feel like i just saw a tiktok recently where it was like americans just have this infatuation with new york and how it's just the best city in the world and then there are just so many things in europe that are just obviously better oh but we're so i'm blind. not to love new york city like the place although i do kind of love new york city it's that i love like what's in new york city like we're artists and art thrives there not that it doesn't thrive here but i mean you know i feel like that's not the stereotype that people think of though people think of like wall street right and i definitely working, do not think working, about that i think about people. i think about the met yeah and i think about all of the singers yeah. that perform at the metropolitan opera and how i want to like, do that one day or yeah. be there or see them you know like they're all walking around i think as normal people who have been successful in the I, arts yeah new york is just incredible but yeah but that kind of goes into the question where, and you might want to take yeah. this one. So this, now we're on like the the little music train mm-hmm. now with these questions. My high school band director actually sent in a question. <laughs> so Mr. Smith wanted to know, first of all, he was hoping this was a music podcast. He hasn't listened to it yet, or he hadn't listened when he saw my post. So I had to tell him, well, we're, we're planning like to do a conversation about music. Oh, in for more sure. Depth, for so sure. coming soon. But his question is, what helps us surrender ourselves fully to a performance? Which I just love that question. Me too. I've just never thought about it. I have actually thought a lot about it. Really? I will say, okay, this is going to be an interesting topic because we have different per- perspectives. Yeah. Because I'm performing on a stage as a character. Yeah. You're performing I've also on a stage. In a pit orchestra. But also in a pit, but also that, yeah. other things. And you're not really, like, you don't have text in your music, like an element of speech to kind of add to it. So for me, the baseline answer for, for myself is I can't surrender fully to anything that I do unless I'm 150% like confident and like all of the basic principles, rhythms, notes, I have everything completely memorized because when I'm thinking about that, I can't really be in the moment, but kind of getting away from surface level for me, it's, it's being on stage and the moment when as a vocalist where I just stop thinking about technique and stop thinking about words and stop thinking about all of this other stuff and just allow myself to be emotional. Something that's really challenging for, for performers is like, we want to let our emotions overtake us, but we can't quite get there so we have to get all the way up until the point of letting our emotions overtake us but not pass the line but let the audience pass the line if that makes sense if that's a good way to talk about it and so for example if I'm singing a ballad and I'm you know kind of crying out because of pain or something I have to get myself to a point where it's like I'm just about to cry but I, I have to hold back and seeing the audience take your emotion past the finish line is what makes me be able to like really be in the moment and experience kind of like the magic that happens when, you know, when you're, when you're in a space like that, I love small venues because I love seeing the faces of people. Like I love interacting and and playing off of them. And so for me, that is definitely what helps me submit. There's been so many times where I'll come off stage from doing something and I'll be like, I have no idea what just happened. Like, I don't yeah. know if it was good. I don't know, you know, what I was doing. 
which is sometimes problematic because you always want to be in control of your body and present and your when what you're doing. But also it's just like it's because I was so invested in the music and so invested in just what the performance that I, I wasn't really I couldn't remember exactly what happened. You know, it was like an out of body experience. And so that's a really interesting question. I was excited to talk about that. Yeah. Um, because everyone gets to that place differently and feels it differently. And it's what makes different performers different. It's what make you know, makes everyone yeah. unique and, and brings a unique experience and performance every time. But yeah. No, that's a great answer. I'm going to kind of like jump off with you there. I'm going to give some context to myself as a performer because I agree like there is that emotional aspect of it where there's like a transformative moment where it becomes more than like music on a page and or like music that you've memorized and that's in your head and it's just kind of part of you more. Mm -hmm. And I definitely experienced that this year when I had my junior recital. But just for some context, so I was a dancer before I was a musician. I, th I started private lessons on violin at the same time that I was taking dance lessons. Very, very young child. And then obviously like I switched instruments. I don't play violin. Haven't touched a violin in forever. <laughs> I'm a harpist, <laughs> but I could never imagine using a bow anyway. But for me, kind of the emotional aspects of dance have translated very strongly into my musical performance etiquette. I'm always thinking about the visual aspect of what I'm doing as huh. a performer, yeah. like how my arms move when I release a phrase. Also, like thinking about my technique in terms of like not being tense in my mm -hmm. upper body, but also making it visually interesting. And especially when I'm on camera doing stuff, I also think about that a lot. I was in a promotional video back in the day for I forget what ensemble but they did like close-ups of my hands and they were taking pictures and videos and mm -hmm. I was like okay I have to like be visually interesting as well to make it a compelling image and I've just always thought about that that's just been like second nature to me to be aware of that since I was very young I just, I think that came from dance and stemmed from that kind of how because dance is a very visual art Yes, you're physically feeling something as a dancer, but your visual expressions with your body and your face are, con they contribute to what the audience feels. Absolutely. I'm not a dancer now, so I obviously can't speak for them. But that's my interpretation of it. And I think music, we're doing things more sonically, but I think there is something to be said as well about the visual aspects of your art form, even if it's not visually dominant, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. Surrendering myself fully to a performance. So for my junior recital, I when I, I I'm kind of thinking like the first thing I thought of when I was thinking about this question was when I'm about to start a piece on my recital or when or just in a concert, obviously solo, not ensemble, because you're just you're following, you're not leading in an ensemble, I guess, or you're you're following the conductor right, basically right. is what I'm trying to say. Mm. And I kind of think about what I do to center myself before I start playing. Yes, I was I've, I was so nervous for my junior recital. You so did nervous. so good. I, my professor said I was the most prepared I'd ever been for a concert. And I felt like I still had, you know, like more to do and all this stuff. And I just had like, I think I was just in a place of self-doubt maybe because mm. I had gone to so many of my friends' recitals and just seen them do so well. And I just got in my own head probably. But I remember being so thoughtful about, again, it is also visual, how you present on stage, 
how much time you take in your bow, for example, or how much time you take between when the applause stops and you've sat down and when you start playing your instrument. And I thought so much about like taking a full deep breath before. I was just I about to say another thing is is breath, attention to oh breath. Gosh. That is one of the most important things. Like your your autopilot kind of involuntary mm-hmm. bodily functions just go out the window. They're not front of right. mind at all. Right. And you literally can forget to breathe sometimes. And it shows. It also shows yeah. visually. It might show like in like how your voice sounds or how your instrument sounds, but it also like it'll play in your face and your facial expressions sometimes. Mm-hmm. I used to be a lot better about that. I used to not show expression in my face when I messed up. And now I do it so often and I don't know when that yeah. happened or why that changed. Hmm. But I've, I don't do it in performance. Like I'll do it to myself in the practice room for some reason. And then obviously it's a learned behavior. I have to break that habit somehow. But yes, just deep, spray yourself with water. I've been rambling, Mr. <laughs> Smith. I apologize. Deep breathing and trusting myself that I have prepared. Yeah. You know, because if you've done the work, you have nothing to worry That's about. That's so true. If you haven't done the work, which I have fallen into that boat before, I've been in a competition and did not feel prepared. If you're not prepared, then you just do your best. Right. That's really all you can do. You know, I think the, the beauty of trying just in general is commendable enough you know Mm -hmm. so and these are all the types of things that that make you a good musician not just someone who can perform but a good musician these are the types of things that bring you over the top that set you apart um and that's what the audience wants to see is a as a performer that's completely surrendered to the performance you know that's why you go to see a live performance and you don't just listen to the same music online because you want to experience the the full capacity that it, it can can bring. But great question. Yeah. Yes, thanks, Mr. Smith. Yeah. Here's a fun one. Julia, she asked us to discuss the moon landing. Oh my gosh. This she is- did say PS, she does think it's real, but she just likes the drama, which I'm all here for the <laughs> drama. So I'll I'll speak second because okay. I have a lot of thoughts. Hi, Julia. Julia's my friend from my childhood dance school. So oh my gosh. very fitting. Hi. So I haven't haven't like we didn't go to the, any of the same school except for a dance school. That's the only way we're connected. So I just think it's so cool that she's listening. So thanks for listening. The moon landing is fascinating to me. I think it's real. I think okay, everyone is so caught up about the stupid flag. I'm thinking like it's probably not a real flag. It's probably like a statue of a flag that they brought. Right. You know, because in in outer space, everything is weightless. And so it's probably it's probably propped up with like a pole or something. Part of me is also like just trust the people in charge, you know, like let them just do their job maybe and just not (laughs) speculate. But then also like some of the conspiracy theories just generally about authority in terms of like. You know, we don't really know what's going on and there is a lot of corruption and that is how things have gotten done historically and it is very unjust. And probably if we looked into it, we would be very upset as a society about the truth. Right. I'm like, okay, there's no doubt they're going to withhold information, but the moon landing is real. (laughs) Like, I'm sorry. It is. I don't have scientific facts. I will say. I haven't been there personally to confirm. Right. Like, obviously no one 
like it's it's only words against words right like no one can just go check but i will say my grandfather worked for nasa and he worked on the mission that landed on the moon and he met all of the astronauts that went to the moon and he has a piece of the ship that returned and he has a moon rock and he has like all of these things all of this documentation signed stuff from his time working for nasa and he like he literally worked on the Apollo eight or Apollo eleven. Does he know have like classified information? I mean, I don't know. Does I could text clearance? him right now and be like, "No, can dude. we get him on? Should we call him <laughs> in to answer this question?" No. My grandfather also worked for NASA, but he did not do that. But anyway, he like worked. He worked on a little. Pe- he worked on a part. You know the part of the ship or the the rocket that like detaches. Yeah. He worked on the the mechanism that makes it detach wow yeah that's pretty cool so all i'm saying is i just i have i can't i can't get around the whole it wasn't real thing because then i'm like i know he had this whole job maybe they didn't end up landing there but like we've definitely been to space we have pictures like he made an income right so (laughs) So i'm like maybe you know i guess i guess they're not people aren't saying that we haven't been to space at all they're saying we haven't landed on a planet you just don't want your grandfather to be a fraud well, I know that he's not. He's a very smart guy. No, but like it would right. devalue his entire career and life's work. Well, maybe if not. It was I mean like to be fake. Yeah, I don't know. Anyways, that's enough of the moon stuff. <laughs> Thanks for your question, yeah, Julia. Great job. <laughs> Let's move on to I have another question oh, yeah, from go. this one is a Spotify listener. <gasps> Melanie Sky is their username, and I can't see their profile picture close enough to figure out who this is. Oh, it's Mel. Oh, oh Mel. I love Mel. She texted me the other day. She was like listening to the podcast. Oh my gosh. Mel, hi. We appreciate your your listen. Thank you. And your question, which is, if you could go to any concert and see anyone dead or alive, who would you see? Okay, so. This is a great question. Okay, so. Okay, I have so many. Okay. I know. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to answer them as separate questions. Okay. Living and deceased. Okay. Okay. I want you to say on the count of three. Who I'm gonna say who's still alive? Cause you know. Okay. One, Wait. two, three. Beyonce. Beyonce yeah. Obviously. <laughs> and I okay, Ryan Cole is obsessed with Beyonce. I'm not that kind of Beyonce fan. <laughs> like I don't know every single word or I whatever. Need to tell them. Here's the thing. Wait, I need to tell them about Ryan's Ryan oh, okay. is Ryan loves Beyonce so much that all, that all of the photos framed in his office have we, we did that of Beyonce put into the frames next last to him summer in the picture. me Michaela Susie a bunch of people Joe who were all working here over the summer kept every time Ryan would like be gone for a day we would print out pictures of Beyonce and go and hide them in his office and so we like covered all of the people in the like in his photos his wedding picture he's getting married to Beyonce now oh my god we hid like Beyonce's everywhere if you go look at his phone every single button on the phone has a little mini Beyonce next to it wow I had a really good one I cut out a piece of paper and like to strips and put it on the blinds so when you like close the blinds that was you that was me that's so funny it looks like Beyonce is looking through the blinds it's so funny yeah anyways I'm not that kind of fan but it's Beyonce like I recognize the effect Greatness she's had on popular music yes. and pop musicians today, pop singers today just aren't as talented. Like Beyonce is so talented and it's like 80% her ability to perform and sing. And then like also 20% her, 
her ability to like hold a crowd and be such a statement and someone who like everyone can get behind. And that's why I want to be like, I want to see her perform. I know she's coming to Dallas. I don't have tickets. Stand by on that. If you want to donate to the fund for me to go see Beyonce. <laughs> or if you have an extra ticket. Yeah. I don't think it's too late. Like I just want to be in the room at all. Like standing room only. I don't care. But she is such an icon that carries a lot of like pop music on her own two shoulders. Yeah. And and such a side wide note, the way that she's a woman and also black, like that's just crazy because people can get behind a minority voice and support them. And they have such a huge impact on society. Have you seen the SNL Beyonce sketch yes. from when her music style changed and then all the yeah. white people were like <laughs> that's the other thing about Beyonce is she never does the same thing twice she has mm-hmm. so many different like styles of music yes and like there's been times where she would like have a song and then she would say oh I'm not going to release this or I'm going to give it to someone else because I already have something similar and I'm not trying to do the same thing twice so I just think that's super cool anyways Ryan can talk more about Beyonce but I just I just love I, I just love her Okay. Deceased, though, is a tie. Really? Actually, well, let me really think hard. Probably Whitney Houston. Ooh. Oh, that's a good answer. I oh, would, my gosh. Because... Wait, now I have multiple answers. Okay, Whitney Houston has just an amazing voice. She's just so talented. The other one would be... This might be... This is controversial, but Michael Jackson... Controversy because, like, we don't know what he'd been doing to all these children. But, (laughs) like, all of these people are just, like, pop icons. You know what I mean? Like, these aren't your Harry Styles and your Taylor Swift. favorite genre right now. Everybody based on these (laughs) answers. I don't know. I just feel like they all contributed something. Elvis is another one. Yes. Oh, my God. You know. Like, the Beatles together. So, that was what my answer was going to be. Okay. Now I have multiple answers. Okay, cool. Well, you but the go. first thing I thought of when I thought of this question was the Beatles because, okay, I'm going to kind of out myself a little bit right now, but I am not much of a concert goer. I don't really like, I don't get swept up. I've never been, I was never a boy band girl as a mm-hmm. kid. I was never someone who like went out to concerts and moshed and like, like I live in Chicago, never been a Lollapalooza. No. Just not my scene. <laughs> so, That's fair. but I feel like I could totally see myself getting behind the beetle yeah mania mm-hmm. whatever back in the day and also they have great music like they're just so iconic and then you said whitney houston mm-hmm. and i immediately thought oh my gosh of my own favorite genre of music which is jazz i don't know why but i just remembered like my favorite type of music is my favorite type of music to listen to is jazz and so i would say frank sinatra <gasps> that is a great answer i second I would, that if i could see frank sinatra live ooh, i second that with like an incredible band behind him yeah oh my gosh Damn. i would just and also like i just want to live in that era of like 50s you know mm-hmm. kind of mid 20th century excellence but also it's like i'd have to be a boomer these are just, like, so. iconic voices. Do you know what I mean? Yes. Like, I say these people because they greatly impacted music. That was a great – that was a great call and response. Yeah. Good job. Great question. Thanks, Mel. Y'all, we need to shout out Linda 
in a major way. Linda sent us 10 questions ten. for this episode. <laughs> 10. Oh my gosh. I haven't even read all of these yet. Okay. Let's start with the first question because I think it's great. Mm-hmm. What made us want to start a podcast together? Okay, you ready? Here's my perspective. I want to hear your take. Yeah. Okay. So I was talking to a let's call them a mentor someone that I, I I you know was like basically got in touch with and was like hey I need to talk about life and things called her and I was just expressing my desire to kind of start a creative project and kind of you know figure out what I could do to make myself more unique and to give myself more experience something that I could create on my own because you know Catherine and I are both super into the arts and media and you know we may kind of want to do different things with that career wise but I know that I was like I want to kind of always be doing something in entertainment and I always love the idea I jokingly tell people that I would love to host a late night talk show Ooh. I feel like I could be really good at that anyways she said you should start a podcast hmm. and I was like that is a great idea and so literally I got off the phone with her was thinking what do I want it to be about I at some point like I had also talked to Ryan about doing a kind of podcast for admissions but that kind of idea kind of morphed into this idea this is why we're you know kind of balancing college decisions and college conversations with you know our life but then I saw Catherine and I remember we were outside of Meadows and I was like, Catherine, I have an idea. You, me, podcast. And then Catherine really took that idea and ran with it. And <laughs> that is how Chronically on Campus was born. She, and, and she'll talk about this in a second, but her one of our friends, her friend had the Chronically on Campus saying. And so oh that gosh. kind of like, that kind of like sparked the idea. I think Catherine had the idea to do the like double-sided podcast, but the whole the whole doing a podcast as a project came from my conversation with my mentor person. And then seeing Catherine, I was like, we would have great chemistry. We have so much to talk about. We already don't get enough time to see each other. Your turn. Yeah. No, all good things. (laughs) I actually didn't know your backstory on your conversation with your mentor. So that's really cool. But yeah, Will like ran into me as I was leaving Meadows for the evening one night at like 10 PM. And then he was just Which like, it's 10 p.m. right now. It is 10 And we're in Meadows, so nothing has changed. Full circle moment right now. <laughs> but he was like, Catherine, start a podcast with me. <laughs> Not exactly, but I was like, oh my gosh, yes. Because I don't remember. Did we talk about doing the podcast for Ryan together also? That? No, that came out of our initial conversation. Yeah, no, it was like we were going to do two podcasts or something. Yeah, so originally we were going to do it as like, oh, you came to me and you were like, I want to interview alumni from SMU right. for a podcast. Right. And it would be so cool to integrate into the Meadows to admission, kind of to, yeah. marketing strategy. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh my gosh, I would totally be down because we work together in Meadows marketing. But so, then we started talking and we had more fun ideas. Yeah, we, we just kind of sat, like, we went full send. Like, we got all the gear and we were like, oh, my gosh, I'm committed. Because we had both been like, wait, this would be cool. And then I was like, wait, what if we just did, like, a fun right. podcast? Because at this point, I had been listening to more podcasts more recently. And I kind of just got more into it. 
And I was like, oh my gosh, this sounds so fun. And I've always been fascinated with new media. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like I tried to be a little little vlogger back in the day. <gasps> I had a little YouTuber phase. Stop. All those videos are unpublished, but they're edited and they're sitting on a hard drive back home. Great. So stay tuned for the that. archives. <laughs> Maybe one day I'll release on, them. When we do they're video really, podcasts. They're so cringy. It's like me as a 12-year-old doing my makeup routine. <laughs> and like I can't. a shopping haul. Little and like, influencer. <laughs> recreating Casey Neistat's sunglasses in my backyard. <laughs> I literally made that video in the style of his editing. I was such a stan. Oh my gosh. Still am. Huge fan of Casey. Just really impressed by his work. But anyway, I came to Will and we were like recording the first episode of Chronically on Campus. And then we were like halfway through it and Will was like, Catherine, we don't need to do that admissions podcast. This is way more fun right. and way more interesting. And we can just integrate everything into one not to say that we would never do the admissions podcast but this is kind of our thing yeah. right now so and it's been so and we fun. did interview smu alumni this is true and we're still having all of those conversations but it's in a much more candid way and i think for us it's cool too because we don't have to associate specifically with smu i'm like we we go and here Meadows, and we're and not that, talking yeah. bad about smu but i mean we kind of are just being candid and and saying exactly what we feel. And it's more interesting for all of our audience members that aren't SMU students to kind of tune in. It's it's more accessible. We're doing this completely on our own kind of creative wavelength. We're not tied down to a corporation with their own, you know, company goals and values or anything, or like an institution where like, oh, we can't say certain things. We have to be very performative for admissions and stuff. Not to say that they are, but that's a hypothetical potential scenario we would run into if we were, Right. Doing a project like this. But we we are just doing it for fun. We just kind of went all in. And here we are, episode eight. That's crazy. But anyways, great Great question. question. That's kind of how it started. Who asked? Oh, which Muppet do you resonate with? Are you ready? Yeah. Which Muppet do you resonate with? I have never. I have. Wait, I think I know For my whole life, I have had. I'm going to write down my answer. Okay. I can't see it. And then I'm going to, then you're going to say it. And I'm going to see if I was right. For my whole life, I have had one Muppet that is my favorite Muppet. I think I know what you might. Okay. Do you have like two in your head that you're thinking of? No, I have one. Dang. It's okay. I feel like I know what you think it might be. And I don't think it is. (laughs) Really? Okay. Tell me. Tell me. Fozzie Bear. Oh. Did you think (gasps) Animal? No. (laughs) Stop, Miss Piggy. (laughs) I thought you're giving like really big Miss Piggy vibes. What? Just the glamour and you know, like, I don't know. (laughs) That's fair. No, Fozzie Bear is my guy. Okay. Okay, okay. Pull up a picture of him. First of all, not only is he the comedic, like he's the comedic entertainment of the Muppets, but also the guy has got some style. (laughs) First of all, let this me see a picture. Exactly. That That's I was just gonna say that. The man is not afraid to pull off a hat. Fozzie Bear is the Mr. Rogers of the Muppets. So true. Look at this one with his little hat off. You can't tell me that's not Mr. Dude, Rogers. I just I just <laughs> I feel like his vibe is kind of my vibe. I do give a little Miss Piggy. I do. <laughs> I'm not even gonna deny that. But that's so could you characterize me as a Muppet? Because I really have no idea. Hmm. I don't know. The Swedish chef? No, I'm kidding. Oh, is it because he's French? <gasps> he's Swedish. Oh. 
you, I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> that Muppet always freaked me out because it's real human hands. Oh. Yeah. Oh, you're right. That's weird. I don't like that. I don't know. You give... I'm like, look, I'm not going to lie. You have a lot of Kermit qualities. I do. You're kind of the leader of the group. Okay. Okay. You know, you have, you know what I mean? You're, you're kind of like. But then I'm also depressed and drink Lipton. Do you drink Lipton? My dad loves Lipton tea. My dad. So see, I feel like you could be, I I feel like you could be Kermit. I could also be one of the chickens. (laughs) This is great questions, Linda. Next. These she are says, such unique questions. Let's do this astrology sign oh, one. Oh, okay. You no? go first. You go first. Do you, are you big into astrology? Not even kind of. Really? Okay. Okay. So the question is, what is your astrological sign and do you think it suits you? My sign, I'm an Aquarius. For those of you that care. <laughs> I think it partially suits me. See, I'll like look on those horoscope things online sometimes just for fun. Mm. And I feel like... Sometimes they're super accurate about certain areas of my life, but then other times not. It's very situational, but I do understand, you know, the science behind it. I think there is something to be said about how everything in our universe is connected, you know, like the the moon literally impacts the tides here on earth. You can't tell me that interstellar planets and stars don't have an impact Mm -hmm. on things that are happening here. If the moon is literally changing the oceans, you know, if they're connected somehow. Right. So, and if the earth is this small compared to the universe, like, and how gravity works and like all of that, you know, there are just some things that are out of our control. And I think there is kind of, you know, some significance to that, but you know, it's also horoscopes are also like the human interpretation of it. So you could talk about that and be like, oh, it's biased or, oh, it's speculative or something. I don't know. I'm following you. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) When is your birthday? September. September. Are you a Virgo? Yeah. You're a Virgo? Do we want to do charts? See, okay. I actually don't know what any of this means. I just know that when I tell people I'm a Virgo, they're like, yeah, that checks. And they don't complain. I'm an Aquarius sun, a Virgo moon, and an Aries rising, which I think is fascinating to me. When I learned about rising signs, I was like, I'm an Aries. I've been growing into my Aries rising persona more recently. So, Mm. but you know, do with that what you will. What's mine? So birth I'll, I'll i'll do your birth chart for you okay, okay cool thanks Catherine. you're welcome <laughs> so your sun is in virgo mm-hmm. your moon is in libra and your ascendant or your rising is in sagittarius <gasps> what does that mean okay let's see i just want to know like what the characteristics of these things are okay i'm a virgo which we already knew sun in virgo sun in virgo which means i'm considerate precise and helpful I don't know about helpful, but I'm definitely considerate. I'm definitely precise. If you were born with the sun in Virgo, Virgo is considered to be the perfectionist of the zodiac. You're practical and a mercury-ruled sign, and you generally prefer neatness and an order to loose ends and chaos. That is so true. Really? Okay. Now, listen, I am chaotic, but I am not that kind of chaotic. Like my apartment, everything is in its place, tidy, clean. Looks like it came I out of HGTV magazine. You left your dorm room. It looked so like correct. Like everything is in its place. Like this table is kind of freaking me out a little bit. <laughs> Notice how this is like squared off with See, the table. You said that, 
but then earlier when we were comparing our XLR I know my I see <laughs> it's specific things it's specific things it's okay. not everything interesting Virgo will un is a cosmic detective who will uncover truths and help others gain clarity when needed they won't rest until matters are unearthed and revealed the zodiac sign won't necessarily go snooping but will pay attention to the details in order to make a case for their claims sources today.com interesting cool well there you have it guys you heard it here first great question linda on that note do we have time for one more question i think we do let's go back to the main list because i want to see what else people asked kyle asked a few questions to us the first one is where is somewhere we have always wanted to go greece is my brother went there and i'm jealous a place I've always wanted to go. I haven't been to Australia or New Zealand. Ooh, I that's a that's a good I'm one. actually a citizen of New Zealand, but I've never been there. How? I got it as a birthright from my dad. Oh. Kyle also asked mm. if we could learn any new instrument, what would we learn first? I change it all the time. Okay. Practically, I would just want to be a better pianist because it's super important mm. to me. Like I'm not bad, but I would, if I could just like pick up an instrument and be perfect at it, practically I would choose piano. And practically it would be probably like the saxophone oh, or some kind of like, no, probably the saxophone because I just think that's so cool. Probably a saxophone for sure. I've never really thought about what I would play if I wasn't a harpist. Cause I also play flute. Mm-hmm. I'm a, I also play flute. I also play piano. My mom really likes the French horn and she thinks she would have had me try French horn if I wasn't a harpist. So maybe that, but French horn is so freaking hard. Like I really respect all the French horn players out there because I agree. It's very difficult. This was a great. Thank you so much. Kyle, Q&A. For your, for your yeah. question. Thank you. Kyle. And thanks everyone for sending in questions. Yeah. This was really fun. We hope that we answered some interesting questions, but also we hope you enjoyed listening. Congratulations to all of our SMU friends for getting through finals. Have the best summer. Congrats to the class of 2023. Oh my gosh. Happy graduation. Congrats. Enjoy your summer. And we look forward to having all of our listeners return when we come back with regularly scheduled programming soon. Yeah, so stay tuned. And thanks for listening, and we will see you next time. Thank you for listening to this episode of Chronically on Campus. Our podcast is produced and edited by Will Emmert and Katherine Ramsey. Our music is by Jake Dixon. Follow Chronically on Campus on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. We'd love to hear from you. Write to us at chronicallyoncampus at gmail.com. 